the names and titles of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter number 9, looking at the names and titles of Jesus Christ found throughout the Bible. And tonight, we see that the Scripture refers to the Son of God as the Mighty God. The Mighty God, and surely He is. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government should be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. All of those glorious names of our Lord Jesus Christ, but one of them tonight that we concentrate upon, Jesus Christ is. That, that child that was born, that son that was given, shall be called, the Holy Ghost of God ordained it, he shall be called the Mighty God. And he is. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And let's pray together. Father, help us tonight as we spend some time with your word, the Holy Bible. May it spend some time with us. Search our hearts, try our hearts, examine our hearts, mold us, make us, shape us into the people that you would have us to be for your honor and your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's look at some things first of all throughout the Old Testament that are said about this mighty God and we'll enjoy them together. Genesis chapter number 49. Genesis chapter number 49. The mighty God. Genesis 49. And verse number 24, Genesis forty-nine twenty-four. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. First of all, we see that the mighty God provides strength. Here is a man whose hands were strong enough to draw a bow. Here's a man whose hands were strong enough to let loose the arrow and watch it fly straight to its target. Here are hands which are mighty in hunting to provide for his family, mighty in defense to protect his family, and yet the Bible doesn't, doesn't boast in the, in the mighty arms and the mighty hands, the strong arms and the strong hands of this man. It's Joseph in the context, but the Bible says the strength, in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. And so tonight we rejoice that we are able to have enough strength to go to work and provide for our families, but we acknowledge it's not our strength. It's God's strength so graciously given to us. We're thankful tonight that we are able to defend our freedoms and our liberties and protect our homes and our livelihoods. And we we thank God for that. But we don't give ourselves the glory for we realize that it's His might 
that enables us to draw the bow. It's His might that enables us to set the arrow into flight. And thank the Lord, whatever you were able to do or to accomplish this day, whatever you did that was right and just and pure and true, whatever you did today that will stand the test of time, we, we appreciate you having done that. It's a blessing to have been able to do that. But let's not lay our head down on the pillow at the end of the day as though we had accomplished some great thing or as though we had guided and directed our own steps. Let's acknowledge our strength came from the mighty God. And our power came from the mighty God. Hallelujah. Joseph Joseph had a life to live. It's a day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year life of trials and troubles and struggles and, and duty and responsibilities, but thank the Lord he didn't face it alone. I wouldn't want to live this life in my own strength. My own emotional strength would fail. My own mental strength would fail. My own physical strength would fail. My own spiritual strength would fail. But right there at every, at every turn in the road is the mighty God providing the strength that we need to live this life down here on earth. All right, Deuteronomy chapter number 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. He is the mighty God. Deuteronomy 7 and verse number 21. Thou shalt, Deuteronomy seven twenty one. Thou shalt not be affrighted at them, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible. And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee little and little. Thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beast of the field increase upon thee. But the Lord thy God shall deliver them unto thee, and shall destroy them with a mighty destruction until they be destroyed. Now, Old Testament, children of Israel, they're an earthly physical people. It's a, it's a kingdom of heaven that's in focus. The earthly kingdom. And the Lord, by His might, Little by little by little drove out all of their enemies so they could dwell safely, worship Him in spirit and in truth, perform the ordinances and the sacrifices delivered unto them without distraction and interference from enemies and from foes. Christians, we're, we're a kingdom of God people. We're a spiritual Kingdom. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Our enemies are not Hivites and Hittites and Jebusites and Perizzites and all other kind of ites. Uh, those aren't our, our enemies. Our enemies are things like sloth and, and deceit and dishonesty and, and, uh, and pride and self-will and it's sin that are, that's our enemies. And I want you to know that the mighty God, just as surely as for an earthly people, little by little, He could drive all the enemies out of their life until they fully possess the land of promise. So the mighty God today, little by little, can drive all the strongholds of sin out of your life and, and all the places where sin takes hold upon your thoughts and upon your heart and upon your will until eventually you can know the full possession of the spiritual promises made to you in Jesus Christ. I, I, I'll be honest with you. As long as I've lived, as long as I've been a Christian, I still find myself weak in the face of sin. 
I still find myself incapable in the face of temptation, but there is a mighty God who dwells within me, who is able to give me victory when I'm tempted, and power when I am tried, and enable me to live a life far superior to the one that I could have ever hoped to have lived without Him. You know, there, there are many people in this world today, and they, they are beset with, uh, with destructive habits, uh, nicotine habits and and dope habits and booze habits and 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 self uh, harming habits and and all of these things and they they struggle and they try and they they take a pill or they get a patch or they make a new year's resolution or they go to a counselor or they they and and yet for all of that they find none of those things have a power greater than my lust None of those things have a power greater than the temptation that is set before me. But oh, if you'll ever come to know Jesus Christ, if the mighty God ever moves in and takes control of your heart, soul, strength, mind, you will find a power you never knew. You will find a power greater than any you'd ever possessed up to that day and to that hour. The mighty God will help you to drive out those enemies and gain the victory. Psalm number 50. Psalm number 50, looking at Jesus Christ, the mighty God. Psalm number 50. The Bible says in verse number 1, The mighty God, even the Lord hath spoken, and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof, out of Zion the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come. And shall not keep silent. I want you to know this mighty God. He's not the mighty God of a little patch of land that the Jewish people live in. He's not the mighty God of a few cities in America and other places around the world where Christians uh, make up the, the majority. I want you to know He is the mighty God wherever the rising sun shines its light. Wherever the setting sun casts its shadows, this mighty God is the God of that land, the God of that people, the God of that tribe, the God of that nation. You say, well, what about these nations that don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as their mighty God? There are, there are neighbors of yours who don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as this mighty God, but that's who He is. There are citizens of your community who don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as this mighty God, but that's who He is. You just as soon say the sun doesn't rise in the morning and the sun doesn't set at night as to say that Jesus Christ is not the mighty God. The comparison in Scripture is to the one undeniable truth that is beheld by everyone on the face of this earth. That sun rises and that sun crosses the sky and that sun sets at night and the light of that sun shines upon all men in all climes and all cultures and all regions of this world and as sure as there is one sun shining upon this planet, there is one mighty God for all upon this planet, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Amen and amen. Isaiah chapter number 10. Isaiah and the 10th chapter. Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah 10. The Bible says in verse number 20. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more again stay upon him that smote them, but shall stay upon the Lord 
the Holy One of Israel, in truth, the remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return, and the consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. The mighty God brings His people home. If there have ever been a people more disobedient than those Israelite people, you couldn't name them. If there have ever been a people who have squandered greater blessings and opportunities than that Israelite people, you couldn't name them. If there have ever been a race of people who have brought more grief and trouble to the heart of the Lord than that Israelite people, you couldn't find them in the pages of history. And yet for all that, God, His love is so mighty. His long-suffering is so mighty. His faithfulness to His promises is so mighty. His ability to fulfill the word that He spoke is so mighty. His faithfulness to His covenant is so mighty. He will bring those people home and establish them in their land forever. The mighty God is a God who brings His people home. Have you ever sung that song and known, and known as you sang it? This morning, this song is telling my tale. I have wandered far away from God, and now I'm coming home. The path of sin too long I've trod, and now I'm coming home. And don't you know, that, that desire to come home, I don't believe that started with you. I believe that started with a call from a distant throne. As the Father cried out to you and said, had enough? Tired of wandering, tired of straying, tired of anger, tired of bitterness, tired of hate, tired of resentment. Why don't you come home to me? Why don't you come home to me? Why don't you come home to me? Thank God the mighty God brings His people home. I've gotten out of the way a time or two. How about you? You might be here tonight and and the Bible that you once fed upon morning, noon, and night might just sit on a shelf in your home now. The prayer closet that you once longed to enter and, and talk to God and pray to God, it might be so long since you were spending time talking to Jesus at all. I'm telling you tonight, tonight, He could bring you home, bring you back to a place where you love that Bible again, bring you back to a place where you want to serve Him again, where you look forward to going out and ministering with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You look forward to, to getting to the church house early and staying at the church house late. You say, well, I don't know what happened. It doesn't matter what happened. God can bring you home tonight. It doesn't matter what got in the way. It might have been a terrible thing. It might have been a disaster, a tragedy. It might have been some sin you yielded to. It might have just been the gradual indifference and coldness that crept into your heart. But I'm telling you, if God can bring His people back and put them in that land after thousands of years scattered across the face of this earth, He could bring you back tonight to the place where you were enjoying the Christian life. He's a God who brings His people home. Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah chapter number 32. Now maybe you slipped in, you've heard all the turmoil and the fuss and the commotion around town about this cult and this cult leader and these people. I want to ask you something. Has anybody said anything yet about, about the pastor? Has anybody said anything yet about the man? Has anybody said anything yet about following the church? It's all about Jesus. This book's about Jesus and people come here to hear about Jesus and whoever stands in this pulpit proclaims Jesus and it's all about Him. 
He's the mighty God. We follow Him. We worship Him. We serve Him. We love Him. We try to dedicate and devote our lives to Him, for He is worthy. He's the mighty God. Jeremiah 32, the Bible says, Jeremiah 32 and verse number 16. Now, when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Barak, son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands, and recompensest the the iniquity of the fathers unto the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts, is His name. Our God is mighty in love, and our God is mighty in punishment. One God, same verse. He's mighty in love, He's mighty in punishment. Now, when, when, when I hear a man stand in a pulpit, when I hear a man on a, on a, a CD, that's as far as I've gotten. I've still got some cassettes. I've got, I've got a CD. I don't have a, I don't, I, I mean, there's, I know there's technology beyond, beyond the CD now. I don't have it. I'm sorry. I don't have it. But when I hear a man preaching on a, a recorded sermon, when I hear a man in a public place lift up his voice, that man, every preacher will say, in, in some form or another, he will say, sin, sin brings consequences. Sin brings death. Sin will cost you. Sin will eventually wind you up in hell. But Jesus loved you. And Jesus died upon the cross so you could be saved. And Jesus rose again so you could have everlasting life. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, you can live forever. I walk away from hearing that sermon thinking, isn't it wonderful how much the Lord loves me? You know why? Because that's the part of the message that pertains to me because I've been saved. I hear the part about death and I hear the part about hell, but it it doesn't stick with me because I'm beyond that now. The Lord has saved me. I have a home in heaven. When someone hears that message and all they hear is, you're going to hell. When someone hears that message and all they hear is, they were condemning me, that's obvious that's the part of the message that was for you. That must be where you're dwelling. It must be where you're, you're abiding. Why is that the only part you remember? Why is that the only part you heard? It was a full and complete message about what Jesus Christ has done for the sinner. But there's one part that lodged in your heart. You tell me why. There's one part that lodges in my heart when I hear that message. I'm not angry. I'm not, I'm not bitter. I'm not violent. I don't feel threatened. I don't feel as though somebody told me I was going to hell. Though that was part of the message, what stuck with me is Jesus loved me and He gave Himself for me. And through His precious blood and through His wonderful grace, I have everlasting life. That's what sticks with me. Where are you tonight? The mighty God is mighty in His loving kindness. And the mighty God is mighty in His wrath and in His punishment. And you can have either aspect of that God that you desire. If you want to trust His Son, you'll know His loving kindness that is better than life. And if you want to refuse His Son and wage war against Him, you will know the might and power of God's wrath. Habakkuk chapter number 1. 
Habakkuk chapter number 1. It's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's right after Nahum. I know that helps. It's right before Zephaniah. Habakkuk. Chapter number 1. Habakkuk chapter 1. And verse number 12. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, Thou hast ordained them for judgment. And O mighty God, Thou hast established them for correction. Now, what does the Bible say in this verse about this mighty God? Thou art thou not from everlasting? You see, this mighty God, the reason I want to trust Him, He's eternal. I don't want to trust a prophet. They tend to die. I don't want to trust a rabbi or a priest or a pastor. They tend to end up in the graveyard. I don't want to trust some religious figure as as noble and as eloquent and as beneficial to the human race as he might be. Eventually, all men walk through the doors of death and are not heard from again. But our mighty God in that body of flesh, He walked into that grave and three days and three nights later, He walked out alive with the power of an endless life. Alive forevermore. Well, who who would be surprised about that? Our mighty God is eternal. He's the eternal God. So, you can trust Him today. He'll take care of you tomorrow. He'll take care of you a hundred years from now. He'll take care of you a thousand years from now. He'll take care of you a million years from now. You'll never be without the love, the comfort, the life provided you by the mighty God. Amen, amen. All right. so those are verses that directly speak of the mighty God. Let's look at some things the Bible says that He does by means of or or through the use of His might. Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah chapter 63. And verse number 1. Isaiah 63 and verse 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Hallelujah. I needed to be saved. The Lord was mighty to save. You needed to be saved. The Lord was mighty to save. How far we have sunk in sin? Just as far as anybody else. Sin. Sin. Oh, in this life, some some are more severe than others. In this life, some bring greater ruin than others. In this life, some cause more trouble and problem than others. But in the life to come, one sin. Keeps a man out of God's presence. In a life to come, one transgression keeps a woman out of God's presence. So every one of us needed the might of a Savior who was strong enough to reach down with the arm of the Lord, not shorten that it could not save, but mighty to save, to pull us out of darkness and translate us into His marvelous light. To pull us out of death 
and put us into a place of everlasting life. Mighty to save. That's our God. Job 36. Job chapter number 36. Just before the book of Psalms, Job chapter 36. Job 36 and verse number 5. Behold, God is mighty and despiseth not any. He is mighty in strength and wisdom. Now we talked about his strength. Here we get a chance to talk about his wisdom. I really don't know. I really don't know how to deal with all the circumstances that come up in my life. I really don't know how to, how to handle all the circumstances that arise through the course of just one single week. Why, why, you, you're a child and, and then you're a young adult and then you, you start in a family or then you wonder why you couldn't start a family and then you have children and then there's other children and then something happens to one of the children and then you're older and then there's physical trouble and, and all that. That's just in the home. Then you've got career and job and finances and money and accidents and things breaking. And, and, and that's just in the material world. And then there's spiritual. And what does God want me to do? What does He not want me to do? Why, why did He speak more clearly? How come when He did speak clearly, I didn't respond? What are, I tell you, there's a thousand decisions to be made every single day. And spur-of-the-moment decisions and, 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 and long-lasting effects of those decisions. And I don't have the wisdom for that, do you? I don't have the understanding for that. I can't handle this life by myself. But I've got a God who's mighty in wisdom. He's never been confused. He's never been at a loss as to what to do. He's never had to consult a bunch of friends and say, well, what do you think about it? What do you think I ought to do? What do you think it's wrong? Well, I, I, I've got some online friends and they say I should do it. And I've got some offline friends that say I shouldn't do it. And I've got, I even know a couple of real people and, 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 and they're divided and, and I don't know what to do. And thank God, the one who is mighty in wisdom wrote it all down, wrote it all down in one book. You can just search the pages of that book. And see the might of his wisdom. Behold, uh, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, but a greater than Solomon, is here. Mighty in wisdom. Praise God. Let's turn to Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah chapter number 32. The Bible says here, Jeremiah 32, and we read verse 18 earlier. Verse number 19. This mighty God, the Bible says in verse 19, He is great in counsel and mighty in work. For thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Now think about this. Think about how mighty you have to be in your work. I couldn't give every man according to his ways. I don't know what anybody's up to. God knows what everybody's up to. I don't know what anybody deserves. God knows what everybody deserves. I don't know how far to extend mercy and when to draw the line and begin to issue chastening and chastisement. I don't know any of that. But there's a God at work. He's so mighty in His work, it took Him only six days to build the heavens and the earth. So you believe that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Believe that with all my heart. 
and there's there's no question about it in my mind. Well, you're not very well educated. I, I am. I am. I'm educated well enough to know that there's no reasonable alternative to the Genesis account of creation. God could could, could handle that. He has he has for six thousand years provided for Adam's race. He he has provided. For the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air, and the fish of the sea. He has for 6,000 years allowed governments to rise and fall and keep one another in check. And he, by his power, said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And for 2,000 years, without a standing army... For 2,000 years without a dictator or a king or, or a, an earthly ruler. For 2,000 years without strength of finance and strength of education and strength of political influence. With all the hosts of hell and all the forces of this world marshaled together against it. God has built His church. He's mighty in work. Let me tell you something. If He can build this heavens and this earth and, and hold it all together... If he can build these nations and this animal kingdom and this plant kingdom and that ocean world and keep that whole thing running just right, if he can build a church and preserve it for 2,000 years in spite of all the devils tried to do to wreck it, he can build your life. You can trust him. He's mighty in his works. Thanks be to God. Psalm number 24. Psalm number 24. Psalm 24 and verse number 8. Psalm 24, verse number 8. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Now, let's expand just for a minute. He is mighty in battle. The Bible says in verse number 7, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Verse 9, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. How odd that verse 7 is repeated in verse 9, well, not really. It's the chorus to a song. But in the, in the doctrine of the matter, there's two times this mighty God will go to battle. Twice, Jesus Christ goes to war. He went to battle on Mount Calvary against sin, death, hell, the grave, principalities, powers, the wages of sin. And when the Lord Jesus Christ had finished that battle, the everlasting doors and the gates of the new Jerusalem opened, of the heavenly Jerusalem opened, and the Lord, victorious in battle, rode through that gate to the shouts and the praises of the heavenly host. And he's been sitting there in triumph. And in victory for nearly 2,000 years, waiting for the second time he will go to battle. 
And I'm telling you, one day the Lord will get up off that throne. He will sit upon a white horse. He will put on a, a garment, a vesture dipped in blood. He will put on a banner that says the Word of God. And He will make His way to the valley of Megiddo. And there in Armageddon, the, the forces of this world who do not want Jesus Christ to set up His kingdom will be gathered together by the millions with all their weapons of war. And in just a matter of hours, Jesus Christ will march through that host, leaving nothing behind but blood and ashes. And He will ride through the eastern gate. And when He crosses that gate, the shout of praise will go up. Here He comes. Through the gate, the Lord, mighty in battle. Now you know something, if He can defeat sin, death, hell, the grave, principalities, powers, Satan, all the armies of men at, at Armageddon. He can conquer your fear. He can conquer your habit. He can conquer whatever, whatever sin so easily besets you. Let the mighty God go to battle on your behalf. He's mighty in battle and in war. And then finally in Luke 24, Luke chapter number 24, Luke 24, the Bible says in verse number 19, Luke 24, 19, He said unto them, What things? And they said unto Him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. Jesus Christ, mighty in deed and in word. Has anybody ever shown the might that Jesus showed when He walked this earth. Who's ever healed the blind like Jesus healed the blind? Cleanse the leper like Jesus cleansed the lepers. Whoever raised the dead like Jesus raised the dead. Whoever lifted the fallen and comforted the sorrowing and gave hope to the hopeless like the Lord Jesus Christ. There would never been one so mighty indeed as our, as our Savior. But mighty in word... Why, even his foes came back shaking their heads and said, Never man spake like this man. Never man spake like this man. Who can speak love to the heart like Jesus? Who can speak comfort in times of trouble like Jesus? Who can speak light to those in darkness like Jesus? Who can speak truth to those uncertain and those confused like Jesus Christ? He is mighty in word and in deed. I, I agree, I agree with what the Holy Spirit wrote in Isaiah chapter number 9. He is the mighty God. Praise His holy name. Our Father in heaven, we thank you tonight most sincerely for providing us 